This is Lessons in Leadership. Steve Adubato here with my colleague, Mary Gamba, co-host and executive producer. Uh, Mary, before we introduce uh, Jenna Shulman, why don't we let folks know exactly who our sponsors are and how much we appreciate them. I'm always happy to do that, Steve. So our sponsors include Valley Bank, Gibbons PC, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, and Prager Metis. So always happy to thank them. They make this possible. And we also have a whole range of media platforms. Plug away. Go ahead. Oh, I, I also have to grab my sheet because we're growing day by day. So uh, obviously, you can find us on News 12 Plus and Best of NJ, our new pro promotional partner, CIANJ and NJ on Air. CIANJ is the Commerce and Industry Association of New Jersey. It sure is, definitely. And then also, you can find us on uh, via podcast at Apple Podcasts, at Google Podcasts, and on Spotify. And as always, our website, stand-delivered.com, which will be right up there on screen. You can log on to catch uh, past episodes as well, and a bunch of free, great resources, articles, and information on all of your books, Steve. So uh, definitely check it out. We're our website, stand-delivered.com. Definitely stand-delivered.com. How many times do you think we could say that in the next 10 seconds? <laughs> Over and under seven. Yeah, hey, no. Mary, why don't you do this? Since you introduced me to Jenna, and she has had a great impact on our family in terms of, well, listen, we'll get it out there, but there are parents all over the region watching us in New York, New Jersey, who are struggling trying to figure out what makes sense in terms of college for their kids as the world of higher education is being turned upside down along with a whole range of other industries as we tape this program on October the 6th. It'll keep evolving. Well, you introduced me to Jenna, so you, you, you do the uh, intro. Oh, I'm happy to do so. So yes, Jenna definitely has changed our lives for the better here in the Gamba household. Jenna Shulman is, the, is an independent educational consultant for JS College Consulting, LLC. And we'll make sure that we're putting up Jenna's website throughout the program so we can uh, drive people to our site. So Jenna, nice to have you join us today. Thanks for having me. So excited to two of my favorite people. Oh, thank you. And tell us, tell us a little bit about uh, JS College Consulting, what you do and why it's so important, especially right now, uh, given COVID and given so many colleges, my own sons, uh, as you know, uh, will uh, his university, he was supposed to be at Michigan State University right now, but now is doing uh, schooling from home because they shut down campus. So tell us a little bit about what you do and how it's really changed and evolved over the past few months. Yeah. So Steve, I love that you had given the date that we're recording this because tomorrow it could be a completely different story. So <laughs> I love that you referenced the date because things change all the time, especially with every industry, but definitely with higher education. So I started this business six years ago because I realized how competitive the college process became since I was in high school about 14, 15 years ago and how really daunting the application process is. Essays, and resumes and there's you know thousands of really great colleges across the country across the world out there so families and students were really overwhelmed by what's the best college fit for them the cost of the college the amount of essays that they have to write the uh, college visits the scholarships the interviews that they have to do the application in and of itself so i i just you know saw an opening where we really needed more specialized attention. The guidance departments at schools do a great job, but unfortunately they're so you know understaffed and overwhelmed sure. by students. 
that a private counselor can give someone the most personal and customized attention as possible. And I love helping students with their future to see you know, where they're gonna be, what they're going to do at that college and making sure that they do it in the best way because it's, it's the biggest investment after real estate. So it has but, to be Go ahead, finish your point. No, yeah, so it just, it, that's how I started it. And I've been helping you know, over 200 students doing this and including, you know, both your sons. Our kids. Yeah. But, but this is about, this shows about leadership, Jenna. So here's the thing I keep asking, and Mary and I had this conversation on, on and off for years. Our son, Nick, as we speak right now, is in a, a senior in, in, in college, a year behind Mary's son, Will. Senior in high school. A, excuse me? You said senior in college. I just, for I anybody watching, if they, if they caught I'm, that, yep. <laughs> I'm trying to fast forward the process. No, it, it, so, trust me, it's and, painful see, whether you speed listen, it up or not. And I have no problem saying this. My wife and I reached out for Jenny yesterday. We had an offline conversation. The details are confidential. We want to protect our son. But the reality is this, and here's the question I asked Jenna. And Mary, your son, Will, is very different. We have our other sons who are different as well. I said, Jenna, if we have to press and push a kid to meet deadlines, to follow up and follow through, to be accountable for time management, all the aspects, not all, but many of the aspects of leadership. This is what I said to Jenna. Hey, Jenna, as parents, we're supposed to be leaders as well. Should we just step back, let it play out, and if a 17 or 18-year-old does it, fine. If he or she doesn't, fine. But our job is to let them fail. Mary says that all the time to me, but I'm not buying it in this case because they don't know what they don't know, and they don't know what's at stake. Jump in. Yeah, so it's that whole like tough love parenting versus helicopter parenting. And, and believe me, I'm like a family therapist on the side or a really full-time family therapist, part-time college counselor, because every family is different. And some can just, you know, sink or let them sink or swim. Um, I, I just think like there's so many Gen Z. I, I love Gen Z. They're very interesting. Is that what they're called these days? Gen Zers, yes. Yeah, so we're the millennials and they're the Gen Zers. And so they are, you know, in a way, such dynamic, such a dynamic generation, so interested in social justice issues, like more than really any other generation, I think, really just like progressive with their their views and with their policies and things like and that. And they want to make a difference, which is all about leadership, but you got to meet the deadlines. You got to get it done. Go ahead, Jenna. Yeah, so they're trying to make the world a better place. So that's on one hand. On the other hand, I don't know, they're overwhelmed. There's so many distractions. There's TikTok and Snapchat, and it's like, you know, they don't really get it, the time management of it all, and they they sometimes fall behind, and so that's where I come into play, but it's hard because I'm paid for a service to get the job done, but other people would have the philosophy, well, you tell them what to do, and they should do it, but it's, it's that fine line of, you know, hand-holding, but making them independent and college-ready. Mary, go ahead. I got to jump in. Steve and I have talked about this. I, I know, Jenna, I've shared uh, my own challenges. And luckily, as Will, uh, not well, as Steve said, all, all of our kids are different. Will was very self-motivated, self-driven. He followed his own deadlines, and that worked out really great. And every child is different. But 
some of the reasons why I think he is that because I did let him fail early on in seventh, eighth, ninth grade. I wasn't there to pick up the pieces. If he left something at home, I didn't bring it in. I, I didn't. I, I said, you need to be responsible. And he's like, but I'm going to fail. Yeah, you're going to fail this time. But I guarantee you, you're not going to forget that paper or that thing that you printed. And and you're going to meet those deadlines. Because if you don't teach those skills early on, it could backfire later on in life. So it is very challenging. But what advice do you give to parents, especially now, with uncertainty? And again, we try to take everything back to leadership. How do you tell them to manage their own anxiety? The own, we, we're so uncertain. Like right now, we still have no idea whether we're going to be moving Will into, you know, out of state into school in January. We just don't know. But what, what advice do you give parents not only to ease their own anxiety, but to help their students, um, their children, ease that anxiety as well from a leadership perspective? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it all varies depending on the student and the parent. I would say like number one, just keep an open mind about everything, about where you're gonna get into college, about what that college will look like this winter, this fall. And to really try to, you know, be someone who can rise to the occasion and deal with adversity. I've seen so many essay questions this year on college about adversity because we're going through a lot right now. And I think a lot of the Gen Zers don't, aren't the most prepared for adversity, especially in, you know. Why is that, Jenna? Well, I mean, a lot of it is being like a affluent family from the Northeast that has, you know, had a lot of great privileges in their life. And yeah, why don't you just say it? We've been coddling, some of us have been coddling our kids for years. And then when it doesn't work out, they're like, hey, wait a minute, what's up with this? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's kind of bad. I mean, they really like don't know how to, face adversity, like they've never been rejected from anything in their life, right? And maybe athletic, but like still the whole everything gets, everyone gets a trophy kind of kid. So it's really hard for them to deal with it. And so I think like the unknown is, gives a lot of anxiety. So the more that we can just be open-minded and say, it's going to work out, it's going to look different, but it's going to be okay is, is all I can do. And positive mental health. I mean, I'm really big on positive mental health and it's hard with what's going on. So. Yeah. Yeah. But Jenna, real quick, where did you learn about leadership? Well, I was the student council president. So. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold on. You said, I'm going after this. I'm going to be the student council president. I'm going to run. I'm going to let people judge me, vote for me, vote against me, say things behind my back. You put yourself out there. But my question is, where did the confidence come from to do that? Yeah, so I've, look, I've been told I'm in the minority of go-getters, the type A personality. It usually works in my favor, but it makes me sometimes a workaholic too. And there's some flaws with being, you know, such an overachiever, very hard on yourself, right? So I don't know. I like to think my parents maybe helped me out with that. My, my parents are both really go-getter personality types. Um, I always just wanted to be like well liked, be me to feel like I'm making an impact, feel important and validated. I'm a people pleaser, so I feel like I'm now in like a therapy session. So I think like intuitively, I just wanted to like work hard and be some type of success in some way. I mean, I had five internships in college because like I wanted to work in television, which is what I did before this, and I knew to getting into television, I got my job at ESPN because of my internships. I knew networking and going after what you want is important. And I, 
I, my parents didn't know any schools I was applying to, any jobs or internships I was applying to. I did it all. I don't see that anymore. I, I need to Mary, jump in though. Ahead, yeah, I know. I was going to just say how much of it, and, and I think I know the answer myself, but I'm curious of your perspective, is a gender um, issue that I, I found that girls are much more go-getters, do-it-yourself. My niece did the whole thing herself. She applied to college. She's applying to med school now. She did her application. My sister never even saw it. Whereas, of course, you know, you helped me with my, you know, with Will, even though he was good at meeting deadlines, we were involved in every step of the way. Is it a gender thing that you find um, in terms of being more of go-getter, do it, get it done? Yeah. Um, the girls are generally more organized. And because is, organized, is leadership and organized, is that closely aligned? I think so. Because I think if you're a strong leader, then you're an organized individual. Um, and so I think to they take they take action. They're more self motivated. I have some people that are more on me than I'm on them. Like, hey, I just sent you my essay. Can you edit it? Like now or later, you know. Uh, and, and and I love those kids. Um, and I think you know, and it doesn't have to do with intelligence either, right? right? Maybe their GPA is not the best, and maybe their SAT is not the highest, and maybe. But, but they're like, I know they're going to make it in life because they're so proactive. You know, one of the things, the final point I want to make, Mary, is that what I pick up from Jenna is not only is she a strong leader, is she type A, is she, hey, I'm going after it. But the reality is there are so many traits to being a great leader. And that's what the book Lessons in Leadership is all about, is trying to understand that. But I'll say this. You cannot be a terrific leader if you are not self-motivated if you don't hold yourself to a high standard, if you don't have to be babysat by someone else who pushes you to do what you need to do, you have a sense of time and priorities and nothing matters more than getting that job done. And I gotta tell you, um, I'm not the only parent who thinks about this, struggles with it, how much to jump in, the helicopter, how to put, pull back, but Jenna's helping an awful lot of people. So Jenna, listen, I wanna thank you for joining us. I wanna thank Mary for introducing our family to you and hopefully others will see this right now. They see your website and follow up and find out more. Uh, biggest leadership lesson, before I let you go, 20 seconds. Number one leadership lesson you've learned about yourself in the last 10 years. Oh, putting me on the spot here. I think I, think I learned be nice to everybody because you don't know who you're going to need in life. <laughs> I love that lesson. You and don't know who you're going to need. I like that. Hey, Jenna Shellman, thank you so much. Uh, a lot of lessons in leadership in this segment. All the best. Thank you. Good luck, everybody. Thanks. I'm Steve Adubato. That's Mary Gamble. We'll be right back. This edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamble, is brought to you by Gibbons PC, the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, New Jersey Sharing Network, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ On Air. C-I-A-N-J and Commerce Magazine. 
Construction companies work at the heart of our communities. So do the operating engineers of Local 825, who build our roads and bridges and ensure the safe transmission of energy that keeps us on the move. Local 825 works with contractors as partners in quality, safety, and training. Our achievements stand as monuments to collaboration that will last for generations. This message has been brought to you by the members of Operating Engineers Local 825. Better building begins here. Welcome back to Lessons in Leadership. Steve Adubato, Mary Gamble. We just talked to Jenna Shulman all about college and getting students ready to be uh, the leaders they need to be, the people they need to be. Need to be. Hey, listen. Alvin, behind the scenes, who directs our show, was just saying, hey, God, Steve's got no patience. He's got to keep going. Mary's like, yeah, he's working on the patient thing. He's not as good as he used to be or not as good as he should be. I got a solution. You do. Are you ready? I'm giving it to them. Sorry. Sorry. So there it is. I have a universal response to anything that anyone beefs about behind the scenes, because that's what leaders do. They own it, <laughs> they say they're sorry, and I've got an automatic way of doing it, so I don't even have to verbally say it. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, I call that a roundabout. You just take a roundabout way, you hit the button, and you hope that everybody laughs. And uh, But no, in all seriousness, you and I have worked together now for 20 years. It only feels like about five or six, because time flies when you're having fun. But you have gotten much better on the patient's front. You definitely have. But sometimes you do need to be reminded to take a deep breath. A minute ago, I said, we're not behind. And I heard what you said under your breath. You said, we're behind. And we won't be if we, we stay focused. We're going to get right back up to schedule. And it's going to be a good, good day. You know what? I have another response to that. Oh, no. Thanks for the feedback, Mary. <laughs> I've got a million that's, of them. Hey, listen, that's what I'm here for. Let's Just do this quick. The, yeah. We're about to go into a, a segment that we did with uh, Keith Banks. Keith is the uh, vice chairman and head of investment solutions, the investment solutions group at Bank of America. Um, but I want to do this on Jenna Shulman. It's not just about Jenna, but I want to be real quick about this. We'll talk about it more in another segment. This is an article I read in the post. I'll get it up there, right? Brains drained. This is what it's all about. It says that who, this is the leading, uh, this is the introductory paragraph, ready? Uh, a fifth of college students are opting out of the fall semester. And that's understandable. A $50,000 bill for Zoom University? No thanks. The article goes on to say that the traditional model of lecturing and one-way communication, that's it, particularly remotely, and you're gonna pay 50 grand for that plus? Are you kidding me? This article argues that higher ed needs to innovate, be more engaging, interactive, and find ways, either remotely or in person, to teach in a way that's more interesting. And a lot of universities not getting the message. Mary, go. They are not getting the message. They need to listen. Uh, back in March, April, May, when everything went remote just in an instant, of course, no one expected, nobody had high hopes that it was going to be really engaging learning. But uh, both high schools, uh, elementary schools, and universities had a good couple of months over the summer to get their act together to realize that this isn't going away anytime soon. They need to listen to the students, they need to listen to the parents, and most importantly, they need to find new and innovative ways to engage students remotely, because if not, uh, these students are going to just, hey, if I can get an online education, they're going to do a true online Thomas Jefferson or go to a local community college remotely. They're not going to pay the big sticker price of a major university for sitting in their bedroom or in their home office. Great book uh, that we're going to steal from in our book on leadership and innovation in the age of COVID and beyond is a great book called Innovate or... Innovate or die. die. Mm -hmm. Innovate or die. And higher ed, you better get the message because 
the old model ain't going to work long term, especially at those prices. Mm -mm. That being said, we're about to introduce uh, Keith Banks, Vice Chairman, Head of Investment Solutions, the Investment Solutions Group at Bank of America, talking all about leadership. He's also one of my golf partners. He knows my weaknesses. Keith Banks. Good to see you, Keith. Good to be here, Steve. Thank you. Let me fully disclose that Keith and I play golf together, and um, <laughs> it's very competitive. That's all I'm going to say. We'll, we'll leave it there. Speaking of being competitive, Keith, let's get right to this. We're taping this on the 2nd of September, if I'm not right. mistaken. It'll be seen after that. Um, the second quarter earnings um, for Bank of America. How important is a call like that? Are those numbers at a critical time like this in the middle of COVID? How critical are they? A, and B, how optimistic are you about the future? Well, I, I can't speak specifically to Bank of America's earnings, Steve, but, but what's interesting about this year is a lot of people are saying, how can the market possibly be doing what it's doing? It's actually 56%, believe it or not, off the bottom uh, that was created in March. And you know when you have GDP down 30% last quarter, and earnings obviously uh, cratering as a result of, of the, the economy being shut. But what's interesting about this year is because of what the Fed has done and is doing, because of what Washington has done and will continue to do, it's given people the ability to look beyond this year. It kind of built a bridge in a way and to look out to say, this is such an anomalous year for so many reasons, including the earnings that are being reported by companies, you can't and shouldn't value a company or value the market on current earnings. So people are looking out, looking to 2021, 2022 and beyond. And that is what is really driving, driving the markets and driving individual stock performance. You and I have had many conversations about an investment strategy and I will disclose on my own end. Um, I just had a conversation with our investment advisor, and I'm not alone on this, and we're taping it on the 2nd of September, as I said, it'll be yes. seen later. There's a relatively big election happening on November 3rd that everyone knows about, which may or may not impact uh, the markets that uh, Keith Banks is talking about. But in my mind, I said, I gotta get very conservative because it's so volatile, it's so uncertain. So I, I mean, it's not about my particular situation, I just know I'm not alone, that people are looking for predictability, safety, and security in an unpredictable world. Is that a fair description, Keith? I, I think it's very fair, Steve. I mean, people, we, we've not seen a crisis of this nature before. We've seen other, uh, but, but this is something that everyone, including ourselves, had, a, had a step back and, and had a, yeah, talking about COVID, talking about then the, the impact on the, on the economy, on markets, on, right. on everything. I think people are smart enough to say, this is a unique period of time and I can't be making decisions on what's happening here and now, because what's happening here and now is not reflective, Steve, of what's going to be happening. And the markets are a discounting mechanism. Fancy way of saying they do the best job they can collectively mm -hmm. with all the collective wisdom of all the investors of looking out, seeing what they believe will be, be the situation then and discounting it back and reflecting it in, in individual stocks prices as well as the, the market overall, overall. Keith, let's shift gears. Let's talk leadership and innovation. Uh, another topic you and I discuss, and I, and I have this discussion all the time, and we're gonna use this on our, our sister program, Lessons in Leadership, that I uh, co-anchor with my colleague, Mary Gamba. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you about this. When it comes to leadership and innovation and in the time of COVID, 
how important is it for a leader? Now, I don't mean hypothetically, I mean in your case and the right. leaders you're around, to be incredibly innovative, adaptive, constantly, because things are changing all the time. I, I think it's critical, Steve. And, and look, I think if you look at companies or you look at individual leaders within companies, if you did not build a strong foundation around leadership, a strong leadership framework, I think those individuals, those leaders, and those companies are really struggling today. And we've worked hard to, to do all the above, uh, certainly within Bank of America generally, but specifically within the, the group that I, I lead. So I one of the things that we, well, you start, with, you start with a strategy and a philosophy, and then you ultimately build a culture. But what we said early on, and this is not profound, right? Everyone will tell you this. We wanted the investment solutions group, which I run, to be a great organization. We wanted it to be the kind of company that talented people would stay and more talented people would come. Because as you know, right, my asset are my teammates, uh, our employees. So we, we built a, a program around four key pillars. And some of this will resonate because you write about this. And you know this first point, the, the person who has the biggest impact on the experience of an employee is their immediate manager. I may right. be doing interesting things at the top of the house, but if what they're experiencing day in and day out is not good or is good, that's going to largely influence whether they stay or leave. So what we've done is we've taken a lot of time, and I've personally invested myself in making this happen, ensuring that our leaders up and down the leadership chain were, were skilled, were, were talented, and were held accountable. So number one, you need to have great leadership at all levels. Number two, I've always believed that a top performer, someone who comes in every day, gives you all they have, rise to the top, should be able to achieve their career aspiration in this company. Because if they can't and they're that talented, they're going to leave. Now, how stupid is that to lose something like that to a competitor? Stay, so stay we, on that point before you get the three, Keith. Sure. Um, how much has COVID revealed or the time of COVID about how good and how adaptive and how talented people really are? No, it's a great point. And the thing, when we first, when this first happened, we all, so we all left the office in mid-March, meaning the company pretty much then went from a work from home mode. And when I, I gathered my, my immediate leadership team around me and I said, look, this is when we're going to see the people, whether the people we thought were good, whether the people we thought we could count on are in fact those people. And we're also going to see other people who we maybe weren't blinking as bright on our radar screens that all of a sudden are stepping up and doing amazing things. And we're going to find out they are some of the people we need to be thinking about very differently. So it's been a, it's been a great test right. for both leaders as well as just, you know, the, the, the teammates doing the day-to-day -day work for us. Keith, let me do this because I interrupt you. Uh, give me real quick three and four points. Yeah, three and four. Three is compensation. And our aspiration there is to say, number one, we need to be fair, we need to be transparent, and we need to be competitive. And the last thing, Steve, is creating a culture of recognition. We are really quick, if you're working on my team and you're not getting something done, to call you in, as we should, because you need to know that, and say, hey, Steve, like, what's going on here? We're falling short. We need more. But we're not nearly as quick when you're coming in and doing an amazing job saying, hey, Steve, I got to tell you, you know, what an incredible thing you're doing. We recognize it. We appreciate it. Um, and if you can create that symmetry, people will sign up for that all day long. If it's only one-sided, you only That's get right. the, the negative, it just, it wears you out. It would wear me out. So. But Keith, at the same time, <clears throat> you use the expression, call people in. We've got about a minute left. 
you're not really calling people in in the way you would call people in because as we right. do this program, we're, we're working and communicating remotely. But working and communicating remotely doesn't mean, it's not an excuse for not communicating clearly to people that they're doing a great job, even if you're exactly. doing it on a Zoom call. It doesn't matter. And, and, and you know, look, I, I, I agree with that, Steve. And, and what we try to do also in this, in this new environment we're in is how do you create, I said to my team early on, we need to create structure and connectivity because we've lost the structure that we know and we lost the connectivity. So we've been doing a lot of things. I host a, uh, I host a town hall every week um, for the, the entire organization. We're getting 60 to 70% of the entire team, over a thousand people dialing in and, or, or joining a WebEx. It shows their craving for it. We do, I do a lot of one-on-one. -on -one. You talk about the personal connection in, in your books. You know, I've been trying to do a lot of just getting on the phone, getting on WebEx with people, having them see me, let me hear from them, make sure I understand, you know, because importantly, you need to be empathetic when, you, when you're in a situation like this. So we're doing as much as we can to create accountability, create connectivity, and continue as much as we can in a business as usual mode when it's anything but. Keith Banks talks about uh, connectivity, whether it's WebEx or Zoom or whatever. I just want to remind folks that while uh, this Uncut series is also incorporated into our PBS programming in the uh, Northeastern part of the country. Also, you can find us on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, steveautobato.org, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. I just want to get that. Is that enough plugging for you, Keith? Yeah, it sounds great. <laughs> Listen, I want to thank our, our good friend, Keith Banks, for joining us. Keith, all the best. Stay safe. Thank be you well. Too. See you on the golf course. Yep. Look forward to it. Thank you. Appreciate it. This edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Autobato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, is brought to you by Gibbons PC, the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, New Jersey Sharing Network, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ On Air, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine. <laughs>